This morning we'll begin from the prophet Isaiah chapter 9. To many people, Christmas is a legend, or a mixture of legends, of Santa Claus, Old Saint Nick, and flying reindeer, and a sleigh full of toys, and a baby in a manger, it just goes on and on, and many people believe it's all a lot of feel-good legends. But in the mix of all that is the truth, somewhere. And Charlie Brown, in his famous cartoon, Charlie Brown Christmas, he felt very confused about what Christmas is all about. He saw the commercialism of it, people making a, trying to make a buck on it, and just all the, the pomp and circumstance of Christmas, of Tinsel and Christmas balls and trees and all kinds of fancy decorations and lights. He doesn't know what the real meaning of Christmas is. And of course, in the middle of all those decorations and legends and everything else is the truth. The prophet Isaiah, 600 years before it happened, says this. In verse 6, For unto us the child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order and establish it with judgment and justice, from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. The prophet Isaiah, 600 and some years before it happened, said that a son would be given, be born in Israel. And he would be called Mighty God. Everlasting Father. A son who would be given, who would be Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace, Mighty God. Wonderful and Counselor. And he would form a government the throne of David, that's in Jerusalem. And it would be an eternal kingdom without any end. And God himself is going to do this. So, this son that was given, we don't see his kingdom yet ruling on the earth. If we go to verse 1 of chapter 9, it says, Nevertheless, the gloom 
will not be not be upon her who is distressed. And when at first he lightly he is lightly esteemed the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, and afterward more heavily oppressed her by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, in Galilee, of the Gentiles. The people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light. And those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. This, of course, is referring to the ministry of Jesus himself who both lived in Nazareth of Galilee and much of his ministry and his miracles were done in the the part of Israel known as Galilee. From there we go to the prophet Micah. Micah chapter 5. Verse 2. But you, Bethlehem of Ephrata, although you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting, or from the days of eternity. So it's pinpointing a couple of places here. One is Bethlehem. Another is Galilee. And another is Jerusalem. The three places that are pinpointed here in these prophecies. And, of course, Jesus was born in Bethlehem, lived in Nazareth of Galilee, and he entered into Jerusalem on a donkey. As it says in the prophet Zechariah, Rejoice, daughter of Zion, your king comes to you, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt. And so, here it talks about the one who was born in Bethlehem would be from eternal life past. His goings forth are from old, from days of eternity, past. And so it was that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, as we read in the New Testament. He lived in Nazareth of Galilee. Much of his ministry was in Galilee, as well as in the rest of Israel and Judah, and in Jerusalem. And he fulfilled those prophecies, except he has yet to come down and physically sit on the throne of David in Jerusalem. And that's what we yet await. From the Gospel of John, you go to chapter 6.
beginning in verse 30. <clears throat> Therefore they said to him, What sign will you perform then, that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Our fathers ate manna in the desert. It is As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus answered, Surely I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. And this was his, this is his message. This son who was given, the Prince of Peace, Mighty God and Everlasting Father, he says, He who comes to him, the true bread, is the one that Father the Father sends from heaven to give us life. And Jesus says in another place, Come to me. The Gospel of Matthew, come to me. All you who are labor and heavily burdened, and I will give you rest. And Jesus has this invitation that has been ringing for 2,000 years to come to Him and be saved. Come to Him and have life. Come to Him and you will never perish. God's judgment will never be upon you. And you can have and possess eternal life. The message hasn't changed in this 2,000 years until He comes to sit on the throne of David in Jerusalem. He's going to do that. It's not a legend. It's the words of the prophets. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. He's not talking about physical hunger and physical thirst. He's talking about inside of us. To be delivered from the poison of sin. Of the judgment against us. Of all the fear and anxiety of life. Of all the evil desire ruling a person's life. All the things that have people bound. Today, there is deliverance through Jesus. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. That we can be fulfilled in Jesus. Be fulfilled and healed and at peace in our life in Jesus. Coming to him. In verse 36, he says, But I said to you, that you have seen me, and yet do not believe. But all the Father has given me will come to me. <coughs> and the one who comes to me, I will in no way cast out. This continual invitation. Come to me and be healed. Come to me and be delivered from the bondage of Satan. From the darkness and the, of this world. From all the things that are holding you back. From being who God wants you to be. Come to me. Come to me every day. And be filled and fulfilled. 
Verse 38, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up on the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have, present tense, may have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Believing on Jesus, believing what happened to him, believing his words, believing in him as Savior and as Lord, and the, and the words of our Lord, and the directions and the guidance of our Lord. Verse 44, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly I say to you, he who believes in me has eternal life. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to Jesus. Not the Buddha. Not the Krishna, not the Baal, not any other creed or religion. Come to Jesus. Whoever has heard from the Father comes to Jesus and learns from him. Jesus said, Come to me, all your burden and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Put your, my yoke upon you and learn from me, he said. Learn from Jesus. Put his yoke upon us. We are now his servant, his slave. Put his yoke upon us and learn from him. What is your will, Lord? For he is meek and lowly in heart. In him we fall, shall find rest for our souls. You know, we may know all this and have heard all this before. But the fact is, our soul may not be at rest today. Maybe we've kind of lost our way a little bit. The cares of this life. Wrongful desires. Sin. Distractions. Fear and anxiety. Disappointments. We kind of lost our way. Jesus says, come back. Come to me again. Put that yoke back on you again. Learn again. Hear from me. Hear from the Father, he says. Listen to Jesus. That's why he came. He didn't come... 
for good people. Came for sinners. That's you and me. Came for us all. And not for us to remain in our sin. I was reading this morning in the Gospel of John where Jesus said to the one man who he healed, he said, sin no more, lest the worst thing happen to you. Yes. Sin has horrible consequences. Bad things can happen to us. That's why he tells us to repent. Because what we sow, we're going to reap. That's why he gives us these directions. That's why we have to listen to our Lord. Because he has our best interests in mind. He's looking out for us. Say, don't go that way, don't go that way, go this way. That's straight and narrow road, you see that? That's the road you go on. That's the road to safety and peace and eternal life. So I know a few people are going that way. Many people are going the wrong way. He says, but the road to eternal life is this straight and narrow road that you need to take. He has our best interests in mind, whether we realize it or not. No one can come to Jesus unless the Father draws him. So salvation, according to Jesus, is an act of God. Someone that's backslidden coming back to him is an act of God. We can have our part in that. The Bible tells us to restore people that have gone astray, brethren who have gone astray in the spirit of meekness. God can use us in that. But the Father must draw him. We just are called to do our part. To hold forth the word of life. To live the Christian life. To love our, to love those that God puts in our life unconditionally. Yeah, all that stuff is our responsibility. And God will use all that. But only the Father himself can draw them. He can use us in that process of drawing him, of course. So we can't look to ourselves to save ourselves or anybody else. We must look to Christ. So then we go to John chapter 7. John seven sixteen. Jesus answered them and said, My teaching is not mine, but it is his who sent me. If anyone wants to do his will, God's will, he shall know this te- concerning this teaching, whether it is from God, or I speak on my own authority. Isn't that interesting? If we want to do the will of God, we'll, un- we'll know whether this teaching that Jesus says is from Him or it's from God or not. And that's what it really boils down to. Jesus said, those who 
want to continue in their sins, they hate the light. They don't want to come to the light. Because their sins will be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light. If we want the truth, if we want to do God's will, we'll understand. We'll know and we'll see it. God will lay it out right in front of us. God is, God's will will not be a mystery if we want to do His will. And not our own will. Chapter 8 and verse 30. As he spoke these words, many believed it. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide or continue, or remain in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. These words are to believers. It says, many believed on him there, when he was speaking, and he said to those who believed in him, if you continue in my word. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? John 15. Talks about continuing, in abiding in Christ, abiding in the vine, continuing, in my abiding in my word. The same thing. If you continue in my word or abide in my word, you are really my disciples. Now he's speaking to us who believe. He's saying, if you believe, then you must continue in my word. And if you do, the truth will be opened up to you. And the truth will set us free. The truth does not set everybody free. It's to the believers who remain in Him, who abide in Him, and abide in His Word. If you abide in My Word, you are My disciples indeed, or for sure, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Free from what? Free from everything we've been talking about. All the negative things that hold us down. Free from sin. And the temptation of sin. Free freedom from fear and anxiety. Freedom from the fear of death. Freedom from the fears of the future. Freedom from the fear of the devil. Freedom from God's judgment. From the fear of God's judgment. In verse 33 continues, And they answered, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage anyone. How can you say you'll be made free? Jesus answered, Surely I say to you, Whoever commits sin is the slave of sin. And the slave does not remain in the house forever, for the son remains forever. 
Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. We can be freed from all these things. We can be freed from our human nature to sin and to walk in it. We can be freed from all the negative things we talked about. How can we be free? By continuing in His Word. By remaining in Him. Remaining in Christ. Not going away from Christ. John chapter 11, verse 25. This is Jesus speaking to Martha right before he raises her brother Lazarus from the dead. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me... Though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? He asked Martha. And it's asking us today too, do we believe this? Do we believe it? And for what reason do we believe it? Why do we believe it? He who believes in me, though he die, he shall live. The resurrection of the dead. This is what this Son who is given to us, this is his message. The message of eternal life, not the fear death, and not the fear life. And all of its challenges. That we have help. We have a Savior. We have a hero who has given himself for us. The next chapter, John chapter 12, verse 24. The continuation of this message. John 12, 24. Surely I say to you, Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. He who loves his life will lose it. He who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. And if anyone serves me, him my Father will honor. So here Jesus talks about us serving Him. In another place He said, why do you call me Lord if you don't do what I tell you to do? Why would we refer to Him as our Lord if 
if, he's, if he, we're not doing what he commands us to do. And he empowers us by the Holy Spirit to do that, to follow him. To follow him and to serve him. But he talks about this death that has to happen in order to have life. A seed of wheat has to die in the ground before it can bear fruit. And so too we have to repent and lay aside our old life in order to have new life. That's why we must hate our life in this world. Our will, our way of life, our way of doing things, what we want, and exchange it for the will of God. Otherwise, we won't experience new life. We'll experience old life with all of its curses and all of its downtroddenness and everything else and all of its fears and anxieties and we'll be bound by the world, by the enemy of our soul. If anyone loves his life and is committed to his own will, going to lose it. going to lose it all. But if anyone hates his life in this world, he will keep it for eternal life. Rejecting our life, our way, our will, the person we were before, our own human nature, to reject that so we can experience the life of Christ. If anyone serves him, let him follow me. Following him, following his words, following his example, following the life that he lived, that sacrificial giving of himself life, the compassion, the mercy, everything that he showed. It's all laid out right here for us. To either embrace or keep at arm's length and reject. That's a little too fanatical, a little too much. Life of Jesus. And finally, we'll finish with 2 Peter chapter 2. In 2 Peter chapter 2, Peter goes through a long condemnation an announcement of judgment upon false prophets, false teachers. And at the end of it, he talks about the people who are victims of these false teachers. We pick up in verse 18. For when they speak great swelling words of emptiness or vanity, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by whom the person is overcome, by him also is brought into bondage or slavery. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of this world, to the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and they are entangled in it again, again, entangled in them, and overcome, 
The later end is worse for them than the beginning. For it would have been better for them to not known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit, or a pig, having been washed, returns to wallowing in the mud. I don't think there could be any doubt what Peter's talking about here. But there are people out there preaching and saying it's okay to continue in sin by preaching the grace of irresponsibility. But it says that after we've escaped the pollutions of this world, or the corruption of this world through the knowledge of Jesus, if we turn back to them and get entangled up in them, and it says the word, and overcome by them. It says, it is worse for them than if they had never heard the truth. And he likens it to a dog going back and eating his vomit. Or a pig, after he's washed, he goes back to playing in the mud again. They go back to their own nature. A dog does what comes naturally to him. As strange as it may seem, when a dog vomits whatever makes him sick, he goes back and eats it again. He naturally does that. When a pig, you wash him up and you could put perfume on him and put a pink bell on him and everything else. You let them go, what are they going to do? They can go back and they do naturally, and that is playing in the mud. And jumping around in the mud. Getting all dirty again. And the Apostle Peter likens it to those who have begun in Christ, but then they go back to the world. And they get entangled in the world and overcome by the world. And he warns us. This is the warning. It's not okay to go back to our nature, what we do naturally. What the dog does naturally. What the pig does naturally. It's not okay to go back and do what comes naturally to us. Because our human nature is to do wrong. To sin. That's why the Bible calls it the sinful nature, the old man. It's not okay to go back to it. As a matter of fact, Peter says if you go back to it and you get entangled in it and you become overcome by it, it's worse. It'd be worse for you than if you never heard the gospel at all. That you never became a Christian at all. That's powerful and heavy and serious. We need to take it seriously. Not to become entangled with the yoke of bondage. is how Paul puts it in the book of Galatians. It is for liberty that Christ has set us free. Only don't use that liberty as an occasion to serve the flesh. He says, don't use it, our liberty, to get entangled with the flesh again. Christ didn't set us free 
to walk in the flesh. He said it's free to walk in the Spirit. If any man is thirsty, he said, let him come to me and drink. And as the Scripture says, out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit given to us to not walk naturally, but in supernaturally. To walk in the steps of Jesus. To be filled with the Spirit. The latter end is worse for them than the beginning. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known the way of righteousness to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. Not my words. Words of Peter under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The story of Christmas, the story of Jesus, is a wonderful story. It's a sober story. He came to die. He came to die. A brutal death on the cross. It's a reality of life. The wonderful baby, soon after he was born, they tried to murder him. Had, they had his parents had to take him to Egypt to escape, warned by an angel. Came back. They were warned not to go back to Judah. They had to go and live in Nazareth, in Galilee. There he lived and grew up. He became a man, and he spoke all these words. He talked about his death, and of course, as we read, he talked also about our death. He had to die to his own will, to do the will of the Father who sent him. And we too must also die to our own will, to do the will of the Father. <coughs> Jesus drew us to his death on the cross. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. And His Son who is given will come again and sit on the throne of His Father David, the descendant of David, the Son of God. That's what the angels were singing about. And on earth, peace and goodwill toward men. As I've said many times, as a kid, I remember singing that song, Ark the Herald Angels Sing, what they sang, peace, goodwill toward men. As I was growing up, a hard and cynical thought came into my mind. There's no peace on this earth. There was a war raging in Vietnam that our country was turned upside down over. And the country was deeply divided over. There was riots and protests in the streets. National Guard shot four 
school students at Kent State University because they were protesting the war. Stop them dead. It was a time of great turmoil. And I looked and I said, well, where's all this peace? There's no peace here. The peace comes at this time not outwardly. Jesus promised to give us rest for our soul. Inward peace. All kinds of turmoil going on around us. Let the peace of God rule in your heart, Paul says. The peace of God which passes all understanding shall guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Peace with God. Peace in our hearts. Peace about our lives and everything going on around it. Your faith. But there will be no peace on this earth until the return of the Prince of Peace. Then there will be peace. And of His kingdom, there will be no end. Peace on earth. Goodwill toward men right now is God's offer of peace and goodwill to us through His Son. That's where the peace and goodwill comes from now. Through one place and one place only. And that's through His Son, Jesus Christ. Like it or not, take it or leave it. This is what He did. Accept it. Believe it or not. Jesus Christ, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Mm -hmm.